Radio. Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Yeah. All right. Here we are. Boy, the bus people were. What's wrong, bus people? Don't you feel well tonight? No, I don't have a not feeling well sound. Um, yeah. Bus people are I just not feeling well tonight. I just took a picture of one of my screens. I'll send it to you so you can see what uh, what it looks like over here. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh-huh. the mix okay. The sound effects and just one half of the monitors, but uh, hey, it's good to be on. It's Thursday. No, that's that's my engineer trying to cover up the sound of her phone ringing, and she can't do it. And just keep ringing because she's got like three phones, and they all ring at the same time, and so it's very loud. It's like the other morning when we got yesterday morning, we got an amber alert early. And oh my God! Yeah, just like yeah, and uh, it was just yeah, three times. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I heard it. Yeah, it's loud in here. I mean, you know, between my phone and her phones and all that, it was like oh my gosh, what's happening? You know, but uh, yeah, yeah. I know, I know the system that they they have to do, but. I didn't realize it was going to, you know, be uh, window breaking, uh, earth shattering type of noise when it came through. But uh, yeah, it'll get your attention. It's yeah, it definitely uh, gets your attention. You know, you know. Oh my God! Yeah. You know, you know, people, yeah. people who are sleeping, I'm sure woke up and all that. So, well, uh, yeah. As you were saying, welcome to All About Wine on Block Talk Radio and on Facebook Live. It is seven oh two on Thursday, nine twelve, twenty nineteen. So if if you are listening live then that's the time and date. If you're not and you're on the archives, then thanks for tuning in on archives. But um, oh, another thing we were talking about last time uh, when I was, you know, our our blog talk radio because it's been going on since 2009 has a, a few hundred shows uh, that you can go back to all the way back to the beginning. Facebook only has about four or five now, and I went and found a way to download those from iTunes on our iTunes um, channel for All About Wine, oh. and I have 300. I have 300 episodes now. <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah. Wow! Three hundred. That's how far back it went. Is that all of them? I mean, are there still more? 
Oh, I think there's more because it only went back to um, 2011, I think, 2012, oh, yeah. 2011. Yeah. So you've got at least three more years. Yeah. Yeah, but it. I think that's as far back as iTunes would go because it would let me get further or more than 300. You know, after that was done, it wouldn't let me go any further back in time. So, um, oh. you know, we're kind of kind of stuck there. But uh, I don't know. I, I think I have. Yeah. I have earlier ones, but uh, I didn't download them. This was like a, a batch thing. I just said download all of them, and it, boom, it started downloading them. Huh. Very impressive. That's cool. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, and, and so if anybody wants to listen, anybody on Facebook wants to listen to some back episodes, you can go to Blog Talk Radio, All About Wine, and listen to past episodes there. I think they're all still sitting in there on archives. And so there's a lot of them in there. There's some good shows. Most of them are labeled. Mike does a good job of putting what they are on and what the basic things are. So if you want to listen to anything, check that out. Uh, there's a lot of good shows in there. We interviewed some really cool people back over the years. And so it's good listening. Yes, it is. <clears throat> so let's see. What do we got happening tonight? Tonight is... Well, we missed Dorian last week, or whatever her name was, and uh, she skirted, she went to the east of us, so we're, we missed that, but the, I think Humberto is, is threatening to d- give us some rain or something, and then there's a couple other systems out in the Atlantic that they're saying that could form into hurricanes also and come toward us, So, so we're not out of the... Other danger zone yet, but uh, it's coming up. I read an interesting article about the models uh, that they predict, and the United States models is just a bunch of people throwing a whole bunch of models together, and they do a conglomerate of it and say, okay, this is it, and it's pretty accurate. But the European model that they do is located in England, and it's like some of the best supercomputers in the world running these models and it's not just hurricane they do all sorts of weather models all around the world but if you want it the article said that if you want to get the full forecast uh, for the european models it's like two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year or something like that so uh with all that money coming in, they can afford the super-duper computers and the models, and that's why a lot of people listen to the European models and all that. So I just thought that was interesting. I wanted to share that quickly with you. Uh, what's happening in food this coming week? Today, National Chocolate Milkshake Day. And then tomorrow we come out with National Peanut Day. And it doesn't say any way it is being served, just peanut. So uh, enjoy a peanut tomorrow. Saturday, National Creamfield Donut Day. And for those of you who have children, National Coloring Day. Or I guess you don't have to have children. They've got adult coloring now all over the place. You can do apps with adult coloring and adult coloring books and all that. Uh, my wife is becoming addicted to this uh, computer coloring. She sits there with her finger in a little palette and she's coloring stuff all the time. So. Sunday, National Double Cheeseburger Day. That's a good day there. National Double Cheeseburger. It's also National Cream de Menthe Day, which is not good with wine, but it's 
is also National Linguini Day. So National Cheeseburger Day and National Linguini Day. That cheeseburger, you can get yourself a nice cab or Merlot or Pinot Noir. With the Linguini, get something a little bit lighter, you know, a little Beaujolais Nouveau or something. And Or it depends on your sauce. If you're going to throw some heavy sauce on it, open up that cab or Merlot. That's Sunday. Monday, National Cinnamon Raisin Bread Day. Also, National Guacamole Day. And Mexican Independence Day. If we celebrate Cinco de Mayo, we should celebrate that and get the day off or something. So, just a thought there. Tuesday the 17th, National Apple Dumpling Day and National Monte Cristo Day. What's a Monte Cristo? Do you know what's a Monte Cristo? Monte Cristo. Cheese with French toast bread, something like that. Oh, wow, she knows, she knows her food. That's for did sure. She nail it. She nailed it. Sometimes it's a sandwich, sometimes called French toast or French toasted ham and cheese. Uh, it's a fried ham and cheese sandwich, a variation of the French uh, whatever uh, French toast. Wow. Yeah. Well, she nailed it. Why don't we ever have that? Yeah. If you know what it is, why don't we ever have it? That sounds good. That is amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of it. Monte Cristo. You can't order them in restaurants because you never see it on the menu. Yeah. yeah, you can, you say? Sandwich places. Oh, is it sandwich places? All right. We'll have to start looking for that. Wasn't there, wasn't there a movie about the Count of Monte Cristo? So yeah, that was that's the first thing I thought too, and I thought maybe it was the you know count of French yeah. toast. Is that the count of French toast? Yeah, the count awesome. of French toast, yeah, with cheese yeah. and ham. Cheese and ham. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know what it was about. Okay, the Monte Cristo. Yeah, well, I have to remember that. That sounds good. We need to do that. Get the Monte Cristo. Okay. Uh, uh, then Wednesday, National Cheeseburger Day. Not to be confused with Sunday, which is Double Cheeseburger Day. Wednesday's just Cheeseburger Day. But that doesn't mean that you can't open up the same bottle of wine for either one. And then next Thursday, National Butterscotch Pudding Day. I like butterscotch pudding. I really do. That's one of my one of my favorite desserts there, just a big bowl of butterscotch pudding. So that's what we got coming up there. And then next week, open up wine to celebrate any of those. And, you know, some of those, you don't have much of a wine combos, but you can combine the day with another food and get yourself a, a nice uh, combo meal and open up a bottle of wine with it. So that's what's coming up there. All right. Here we go. Uh, and a reminder, coming up this weekend also, October 17th through the 19th, is that this weekend? Yes, it is. Uh, well, it's actually, it's next week, the middle of next week, 17th through the 19th. It's the 39th annual New York Wine Experience at the Marriott Marquis in New York City. Uh, big, big, big event there. Uh, wine tastings and speakers and uh, the whole weekend. Or they say weekend, but it's weekday programs and uh, sit-down seminars and 
all sorts of different wines from around the world, and they have uh, 273 wines uh, represented, all with a rating of 90 or above on points by Wine Spectator. Big, big events, a lot of a lot of people talking there, a lot of knowledge, if you want to check that out if you're around New York City next week. And if you do go to it, call or, or email me and let me know. I'd love to have you on the program to tell us about it, tell us all about the program and everything. Complete weekend package is only $2,495 per person. Uh, just the uh, tasting, 375 a person, general admission. The awards banquet, which is uh, black tie, $500 a person. But if you do attend it, which, you know, I know I'm not. We The jet's broken down, so Mike and I can't make it up there next week. But if you do attend it, then let me know. We'd love to have you on the program and tell us all about that. So that's next week. Oh, geez, I have to put this book away and not remind you anymore. But I do have some other stuff to remind you about. One thing I want to remind you about is Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. I've been to this in the past, and it is great. If you get the kids' babysitters and fly down and go to Epcot, because when you get down here, they're going to want to go to Magic Kingdom, and you want to go to Epcot. So, you know, ditch the kids or find something, somebody to take them to Magic Kingdom, and you go to the Epcot Wine and Food Festival. They got wine and food from all over the world. They got different sections. If you've never been to Epcot, Epcot's divided up into countries, basically. And the Wine and Food Festival is each country is represented by their wine and by their food. Now, I think, if I remember correctly, you have to buy each of your tastings. Or you can, I think when I went the first time, it was the entrance fee, and then you had a, a flat rate to taste, I don't know, 10 wines or something. But I think it's they've changed that to each taste now separate. I'm not sure how it goes. But if you are in Florida from now until the end of November, yeah, November 23rd, if you're in Florida between now and November 23rd, then that is almost a must-do because it is great. Uh, they also have a uh, four-day midday magic tickets. It's $79 a day plus tax. Uh, that uh, is $316 for four days plus tax. It's just a, a great way to do it. And there's hotels. There's more hotels you can possibly imagine around Magic Kingdom and Epcot, and you don't have to stay on the property. You can always stay around the area there. There's hotels, all sorts of them around the area. So, and uh, there's transportation back and forth. So there's never a problem with finding lodging, and it's a great event. I, Like I said, I've been to it, and it's really a lot of fun. And it's fun. Epcot's fun anyway. But then when they start doing wine and food from different countries and all that, 
it is more than fun. I'll try to remind people over and over again on that until the end of November. Attend it if you're around there and all that. I'm not going to make it over to it this year, but if you do attend it, let me know. We'll get you on the program and let you talk about it. That's always a fun thing. Uh, Epcot Food and Wine Festival uh, from now until November, end of November. All right, let's see. Now, uh, I've got some wineries. I'm going to tell you about what's happening on those. A few quick, quick notes here. I received an email from a new winery, a newsletter actually, from a new winery that uh, I wasn't familiar with, but I'm glad they contacted me. So if you heard the show and you contact me, thanks. It is Twelve Spies Vineyard. Twelve Spies Vineyard. Uh, they are located in Georgia, and uh, Cartersville, Georgia, is a tasting room, and uh, they have all sorts of stuff going on there, as most wineries do. Friday night is pizza night on the veranda, and they have uh, uh, dinners coming up and all sorts of things happening there. So 12 Spies, S P I E S, 12 Spies Winery. And they are, uh, let's see, uh, yeah, Georgia. Uh, they are uh, located at uh, 17 East Main Street, it's Cartersville, Georgia. So uh, you can check them out at wine at 12 Spies Vineyard dot, Vineyards with an S dot com. And uh, a new one that we just got. They they have a a sweet red, a simple scarlet, uh, sweetest wine on the menu. Flavors of berries and cherries, and and pizza night, and uh, merlots, and all sorts of things. So, thank you, Twelve Spies, for getting it to me. Keep up the stuff. I will keep on telling people about you. And. Oh, wine. Uh, well, I thought it was there, but maybe it's here. Yes, it is. Walsh Vineyards. Uh, they are uh, having, as always, a whole bunch of stuff going on at Walsh Vineyards. Uh, they are a wine pairing dinner at uh, Windridge Farm. This is going to be coming up on uh, Tuesday, September the 24th, which is a couple of weeks away. It's from $7 to $9, $75 per person. It is reservations required wine and food. So uh, doors open at 615 and you can get a hold of them at Walsh Vineyards Estate Winery at 1599 Old Line Road in Mannheim, Pennsylvania, or WalshVineyards.com. So if you're in that area, that would be a good stop for you there. And let's see. That's another one from Walsh Vineyards. It's telling me that they're harvesting all week. But I've got another winery here. 
Henry River. Henry River, his uh, predictions are strawberry. And Henry River is located in South Carolina at uh, 1650 Dusty Road, Newberry. You can get a hold of them also at Henry River uh, Henry River Vineyards at PBA. Henry River Vineyards, I think it's E N O R E E Henry, uh, as in Henry the Eighth. That's how I always remember that. They got new releases coming out and new stuff to talk about. New stuff: wine slushies, strawberry wine slushies, new strawberry wine that's just released uh, that they're getting from Lever Farms. Uh, they have. Uh, the Newberry Harvest Festival coming up uh, today, 10.30. Today's the 12th. Today's the 12th. Well, so much for that. Unless you're listening to us from there, then not much of a chance that you're going to make it. So, Henry River. Again, get in touch with them, henryriver.com. And I just wiped that out. I didn't want to do that, but that's okay. Yes, I can do this. And trying to find where everything is. Okay, there we go. A few things I want to talk to you about tonight. First one is how many? This is a little bit of trivia tonight. I've got a few things to tell you trivia. We haven't talked about this in a while, but this is a, this is a little fun thing here. Oh, before I forget it, we are still in the middle of Wine Education Week. It goes from the 9th to the 15th, so from Tuesday all the way up to next Sunday, Wine Education Week. Uh, Wine Education Week is on the way from Witset. Uh, that's the uh, one of the certification uh, uh, certification wine certifications you can get. And it there everything you can uh, check out just about any of the major wine uh, well punch you know your uh, search engine punch in wine education week on any of your search engines and you'll get all sorts of information it is being it's taking place wine education week is taking place in 45 different countries around the world so this is you know pretty big thing uh, you can go to wineeducationweek.com and find out a bunch of stuff about it but wine education week happening right now, although you get wine education every week when you tune into All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio or Facebook, so that's always cool. A little bit of trivia here, a little wine facts. When I wrote the e-letter that we used to send out to all of our customers, which I hope everybody enjoyed it. It was always fun and always nice. I know micro-edit, but it always surprised me how many other people did read it. We would have a little bit of trivia in there. We would have who's going to be at the festival and a recipe and some uh, just information and different things on that. And people used to come into the winery and say, get your newsletter. I like it. It's fun and all that. And that always made me feel good that I wasn't just sitting in front of a computer writing stuff for no reason. I can understand how newspaper people feel now, too. But, but it was always fun. One of the sections I used to have in that letter, in the e-letter we sent out, was trivia. 
and I would look around and give all sorts of different trivia every week. And people would, every once in a while, come in and say, I, you know, I enjoyed that trivia. That was interesting stuff. Or I would get an email t- talking about the trivia and things. And I tried to mix it up and throw in different things. You know, I did, yeah. But basically, it was always wine was the bottom theme. Well, I found this, and this is trivia. This is some more trivia, but it's been a while since I've talked about any of this. It's been a while since I've set, uh, sent out the e-letter. And so those of you who used to follow the e-letter, here's something to remind you of that. And those of you who don't know this, this is always just fun, useless information. That's basically what trivia is, isn't it? At your next party, you can sound really, really smart. If you do that at a party, that's all, I, all it takes. Just throw out a few facts about wine, and most people will just nod. You know, And after you throw out it, whatever anybody says, just smile and nod your head knowingly. That's all it takes, and then people will be really impressed. So let's get you started here. How many glasses in a bottle of wine? Well, this is pretty simple. There's 25 ounces of wine, approximately 25 ounces of wine, in a standard 750-milliliter bottle. So... Uh, Actually, I say approximately is 25.3 ounces is in a bottle of wine. And a serving size, five ounces or six ounces. Depends. It's used to be four. Now it's up to five. Some people say it should be six. But the actual standard for wine serving size is five ounces or about 150 milliliter. All right, that's it. So if you go at five ounces... You're looking at five servings, a little over five servings with the 0.3 in there. So you can get about five servings of wine out of a bottle at five ounces a serving. Okay, now, it's not really exact when you start looking at that. Uh, actually, it ranges from four to six per bottle, depending on the alcohol level. Now, this was something interesting I found on this. I didn't know that. In some cases, such as port wine, where the alcohol is higher, you can get 10 glasses per bottle. All right? Because you're not pouring as much alcohol. uh, Instead of the five ounce, you're only pouring about two and a half ounces on each one. So it's going to be more serving. So basically five ounces. So five glasses of wine in a bottle. How much is it? 500 milliliters, which equals 2.1 pounds of grapes in a bottle of wine. 2.1 pounds of grapes, which, you know, it's really quite a bit. Or an average of 520 grapes. Now, that will vary, obviously, because some grapes are small, some grapes are big. It really varies up and down, but it's 300 to 900 grapes per bottle, depending on what grape you're using. There are some grapes that are very large and some grapes that are very small. I suppose if we made a wine out of the moon grape, which is almost the size of a golf ball, then you would not need 520 grapes. But most wine grapes, between 300 and 900, average 520. Now, acid. There is just a little bit of acid, just a small percentage of acid in it. 
This includes the tartaric acid, the malic acid, lactic acid, citric acid, uh, succinic acid, and acetic acid. These are all part of it. Minerals. You also have minerals in a wine. The minerals include iron, nitrogen, phosphorus, magnesium, potassium, fluoride, sulfur, and calcium. Now, these are small amounts, small, small, nowhere near the recommended daily uh, uh, amount, recommended daily average, but there is some in there. Sugars, there are sugars in there. Uh, we speak of them as bricks uh, when we speak of it, but it, it's sugars, fructose, and uh, Fructose and sucrose. Alcohol, yes, that's in there. That's a little percentage of the bottle. But the biggest thing that's in a bottle of wine, water. You're going to find more water in there. That's the majority of it. And then in red wine, particularly anthocyanin. 460 calories in a dry white wine. Now, that is 10% alcohol by volume. A whole bottle of wine, red or white, you're looking at about 750 calories. That's between 12.5 and 13.5 alcohol by volume, ABV, uh, we'll, we'll say, instead of alcohol by volume, ABV. Dry white wine is only 460. That's 10% ABV. 600 in a dry red wine at 11.5% ABV. Red or white wines are up at 14% ABV. You're getting 820 calories. And then sweet fortified wines, ports and sherries, 21% ABV is 1,440 calories per bottle. So if you want to sit down and drink a bottle of Madeira Sherry, you're going to surpass your recommended daily. Yeah, don't eat any. My engineer just told me from the other room, don't eat anything else that day. That will be your meals. All right, now, Australia. Now, this is something I didn't know. Australia here, they're required to list the number of servings based on the alcohol content on their bottles down there. You don't see it here because it's not required here, so they don't have it here. Oh, I was just brought my evening bottle of wine, which we're halfway through the show, and I'm just not getting it. Oh, okay. Well, before I tell you about Australia, let me see what this is. This is Spanish. Yeah. This is a Spanish wine. Uh, El Brucciato, Brucciato, uh, B-R-U-C-I-A-T-O, Brucciato. This is Genuta Budo Al Paso. And El Brucciato might be the name of the grape. I don't know. 2016, uh, it is Bulgaria. Uh, boy, I don't know. Why would we buy this if we don't know anything about it? And I think we probably bought it at the tasting. Uh, Bruciato is produced from grapes grown. Yeah, so Bruciato is the name of the grape here. 
Cruciato's name is the grapes grown in the vineyards of Guido Altasso Estate uh, near Bogheri, B-O-L-G-H-E-R-I, Bogheri. The carefully selected grapes are sourced from vineyards with an ample range of soil types, ones which carry, uh, which vary from the alluvial and rich in loam and gravel to terrain of marine origin, consisting of wind-blown sands, clay, and limestone. And that's all it really says. Okay, so this is 13.5 ABV. It is uh, product of Italy. That's why he's Spanish. What's wrong? Product of Italy. Um, so whatever this grape is, I'm not sure. Uh, we probably had it at one of our tastings and loved it and bought it. Uh, but uh, let me do a... Oh, it's got a great aroma. Dark fruit. That's nice. A little acidic that we just opened it. I'm looking at. Uh, I'm looking at. Um, let me see if that was the same thing that I L B R U C I A T O. That's it. The I L. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a modern interpretation of uh, I forgot this person's name. Unique terror made from carefully selected Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, oh. and Syrah grapes from Guadalajara. Something a vineyard. Yeah, that's oh. just what I did. Uh, oh, so it's, yes. it's we've got a blend here of Cab, Merlot, and Syrah. Yeah. Oh, very good. This is nice. It's a little bit light. I'm, I'm sure with that blend of the three grapes that you just mentioned, we, they could have... Well, I say light, but it's really not. It's a pretty dark color. Uh, but the taste doesn't come out. Let me do another taste just to be sure. Yeah, a little bit light. Uh, somewhat acidic. I'm getting uh, black fruit plumminess and... Uh, they probably, if they were to say, they're going to say black currant, which everybody does whenever they have a dark wine. But I'm not picking up any of that. But it's nice. I don't know any more about it. I don't know what we, where we got it, what paper. We probably got it at tasting when we went to the um, wine store. Oh, we got it at Total Wines? Oh, okay. I was just corrected. We got it at Total Wines which are all over the country, I think, now. So, But, uh, yeah. Oh, there you go. Thank you for the clarification what a uh, Bruciato is. I had no idea. So, back to the fun facts. I'll have to stop there once more and take a sip of wine. Back to the fun facts. Australia requires to list the number of servings based on the alcohol content. You don't see that in the United States because we don't require it here, so therefore they don't have the labels that they ship to us with that information on it. A bottle of Shroff, for example, with 15% ABV is listed as having 8.9 servings per bottle, whereas a bottle of German Riesling with 8% ABV has just 4.7 servings 
So you get to drink a lot more of the German Riesings than you do of the Syrahs because of the alcohol. So that's interesting. I I never knew that. I never saw any of the bottles from Australia that were actually Australian bottles. Most of them were imported to the United States. And I think all of them are. So here we go. Some wine drinking facts for you. Again, some useless trivia. On average, two people can finish a full bottle of wine in 2.5 hours, unless they live in this house. Point, a 750 milliliter bottle of wine is 25.36 ounces. Point, if you drink a bottle of wine a week for your entire adult life, you will consume about 2,970 bottles of wine. We don't need to comment on that anymore about one a week. Point. If you drink a glass of wine a night, every night for your adult life, you would drink an equivalent of 4,160 bottles of wine. So a bottle of week is going to give you 2,970 bottles, a glass of wine every night. Again, I think they're talking five ounces. It's going to be 4,160, the less than double. A bottle of wine has an average of 750 calories, which we just talked about, that a ratio from 460 to 1440, depending on the type. Dry wine has zero fat and zero to two grams carbs. Sweet wine has zero fat and ranges from three to 39 carbs. So again, we go back and you're having yourself your bottle of Madeira for the meal today because of all the calories. It's going to destroy your carb count too. So keep that in mind if you're if you like a sweeter wine. Carbs are there. How heavy is a bottle of wine? A full bottle of wine weighs about 2.65 pounds. Now. This is one of the reasons why you're finding alternative carriers because of that weight. At point, an average bottle of wine contains 1.65 pounds of wine grapes. Point, a case of 12 bottles of wine weighs 30 to 40 pounds. Actually, it weighs 35.75 pounds, almost 36 Whenever I was shipping, I always count on it, 36 pounds for the wine itself. And that was almost exactly right. So, uh, But it depends. Again, 12 bottles is going to run you about 36 pounds. Point, heavy glass bottles can account for over 50% of total weight of a wine bottle. And that's why shipping, they're always looking at new alternatives to shipping because of that. It is expensive to start shipping bottles all over the country, and that's why it's cheaper. And you know, I mean, the carbon footprint, if you will, for for shipping wine is is outrageous. In 2012, an EU, a EU exported 1.57 billion pounds of bottled wine which includes the weight of the glass, to the United States. A lot 
if it came over by ship. Is this really the cheapest way to do it? Wine production facts. Point. There are 1,368 confirmed wine varieties in the world. Now, the grapes, there's lots of lots of grapes out there. There's lots of different types of grapes. 1,368. And that probably increases every year simply because of all the universities trying to come up with grapes that will grow well in their regions. Point. Cabernet Sauvignon is the most planted grape variety in the world. I question that. I question that simply because I've heard it was Tanit or something like that. Uh, I I don't think Cabernet is. I, I, I don't know. Point. In 2010, the world produced enough wine for everyone to have five bottles. That was in 2010. Now I'm sure, you know, we're almost 10 years later here. Point. The average bottle of wine contains 520 grapes, which that varies between 300 and 900 grapes. We talked about that. Point. About 5.5 bunches of grapes go into a bottle of wine. And that varies quite a bit, too, depending on the bunch. Some grapes come in big bunches, and some come in small bunches and different things. So that would vary. Point. There are five bottles in a gallon of wine. Well, that varies, too, because it's not exact. You know, you go five times 75 milliliters, so you're looking at uh, three now, that's, it's a little bit short. There's, there's less than five bottles. Or there's, a gallon is more than five bottles of wine because a gallon is 3.785, and so it's not quite five bottles. Point, in the U.S., you can legally produce 200 gallons of wine for personal use a year. Point. There are 295 bottles in a standard wine barrel. That's 50. I wonder if you're counting 55 or 59 gallons, because some places count 55, some 59. Point. About 600 bottles are made with a ton of grapes. And the last one point. An acre of vineyard can make anywhere from 600 to 3,600 bottles of wine. And again, it depends on how proficient the size of grapes and all sorts of stuff there. So that that will vary also. And so there you go. Range of 300 to 900 grapes per bottle depends on the wine grape, for example. So for here you go. The 550 grapes in a bottle of Merlot, whereas 600 grapes in a bottle of Chardonnay, whereas... 910 grapes in a bottle of Avarino. That's on average. And uh, this article, it tells you that how they come up with these numbers and what they're using for their, their basis for it. And it takes in account for the size of the grapes and the number of bunches and uh, 0.375 pounds per bunch on average uh, for source and uh, all this, it tells you, it breaks it all down. But there's some numbers for you. There's some trivia for you. Again, if you use any of those and someone looks at you, just give a slight smile. Not a big smile. You don't want a big smile. Give a slight smile and just nod. 
Uh, in fact, here's the first person who responded to Can I question your five bottles and a gallon of wine? A gallon is eight pints, which is roughly five liters. A bottle of wine is 75, uh, 0.75 milliliters, which equals 6.66. So it takes about 6.5 bottles to a gallon. Uh, and this is pretty sure it's using U.S. gallons. U.S. gallon is 3.75 liters. Actually, it's a little bit more than 3.75. So the Imperial gallon is 4.54 liters. So it's just over six. So if you're using Imperial, then it's six. If you're using U.S., it's a little over five per liter. So, all right. Uh, and, and there is a little, like I say, just nod knowingly whenever you have, uh, whenever anybody says anything about your trivia. Just, you know, you don't have to answer. You look better. Cabless Creek Vineyards, their, their uh, blog is out again. Their new blog is out again. If you don't subscribe to that, you really should. It's really a lot of interesting stuff on that. Whispering Oaks Vineyards also is uh, having events. They have events all the time. Whispering Oaks, located in north, Florida, east of Gainesville, or west of Gainesville. And they've got uh, an event coming up uh, sponsored by the Rotary Club of the Villages and uh, things like that. You can get a hold of them at the wines, uh, www.winesofflorida.com. I just ran across that. I want to tell you about that. Okay, now let's see. Um, this I found was interesting. Just to share with you, great genes may make the wine taste different. The, the genetic code of the grape may make the wine taste different. When the researchers deciphered the genome of the Chardonnay grape, they discovered that grapes inherit, inherit different numbers of genes from their mothers and fathers, which I thought was interesting. Each fruit has approximately 37,000 genes. And obviously, you know, just as people, we inherit from both parents our genes are, uh, uh, you know, broken down by the, the uh, uh, <laughs> I'll get a blank for the word. Uh, one would assume that the grapes inherit two copies of every gene, uh, with one coming from each of the two parents. However, they don't. Uh, for 15% of the genes in Chardonnay, it was, uh, there was only one copy, as is true for the Cabernet Sauvignon and other grapes that they tested. Uh, 15% of them only contained, 15% of the genes only contained one copy instead of two, which they attribute to the fact that that's why they will taste differently. Uh, the genetic differences definitely contribute to one important factor, and that's usually the color. Uh, you'll see them lighter and darker and stuff like that. But the structural variation and all that has been checked closer, and the 
genes have been a DNA. That's where it's from. The DNA has been checked, and they find that it is the taste also being affected. A good example of various types of heirloom tomatoes. The different genes in those create different tastes, different shapes, different stuff. Well, obviously, we see the different shapes and stuff, but it also affects the taste. So, and a good example, and the reason I read this is because a lot of the Pinot Noirs, even the Chardonnays now, are different clones. And a lot of the grapes you're taking on clones of different ones. And I've talked about this before in Pinot Noir and all the different types of Pinot Noirs that are in Oregon. Whenever you get a Pinot Noir, you're asking what clone you're using, and they can pretty well tell you. And different ones will affect the taste. It, you're going to get different tastes from the different clones. So you'll pick up a Pinot Noir from one vineyard, and you'll say, oh, I love this. You'll pick up a Pinot Noir from another vineyard, and you'll say, ooh, why does this not taste like the Pinot Noir I'm used to? Well, it could be because of the genes. So I never considered that. It never was something that I thought. I thought they were all pretty much the same, but they're not. A difference of 15%, which will make a difference. So University of California in Irvine did this study. Um, it was a leading paper at the Evolutionary Biology Department. So uh University of California, Irvine School of Biological Scientists, Sciences, Ecology, and Evolutionary Biology Department. So they have themselves quite a, a uh, pedigree there for the uh, uh, for that study. I think I talked about this, and I was going through this stuff, and I, I see this pop up again here on a different article. Organic, biodynamic, and natural. What does it all mean? Uh, the distinction between is sometimes a little, a little shaky, a little foggy. Uh, they're not interchangeable. Uh, certified organic wine is not biodynamic. And certified organic and biodynamic is not natural. So they are all different things. Uh, organic wines are certified by the United States Department of Agriculture and has strict regulations, um, much more so than just growing grapes. And they've got to be, well, the grapes grown without any use of synthetic fertilizers, all ingredients going into the wines, including yeast, must be certified organic. No sulfites may be added to these wines, though, although some that occur naturally are permitted. And only these wines may display the USDA organic seal. Pretty strict regs. All right, they, that really is. Biodynamic, on the other hand, is even more strict. Biodynamic winemaking is governed practice that goes back nearly a century. And it started in the 1920s by an Australian philosopher, Austrian, not Australian, Austrian philosopher named Rudolf Steiner. And biodynamic practices don't go solely by the calendar. Uh, Steiner also instructed followers to use fertilization preparations. One technique used in biodynamic farming involves cow horns filled with compost that are buried in the vineyard and then dug up later. So it's 
different rules. You know, they have organized by fruit days for grape growing, root days for pruning, leaf days for watering, flower days, uh, just all sorts of stuff. Very, very biodynamic, if you will. If you see them grouped together, biodynamic and organic, they are not. Uh, The only thing that they do is they avoid pesticides and uh, chemicals, but otherwise they are two different practices. Certified biodynamic wines are permitted to contain up to 100 parts per million of sulfites. So that is one thing about biodynamic wines that you won't find in organic wines. Organic wines are not allowed to add any, so they might top down at 10 or 15 parts per million, whereas certified biodynamic can go up to 100 parts per million. You're not allergic to sulfide. Very few people are, so you really don't need to worry about it. A wine that's organic is not necessarily biodynamic, even if the wine that is biodynamic is often organic. Okay? If it is organic, that doesn't mean it's biodynamic. But to be biodynamic, you're probably organic. So that's just a good way to look at it. Now, we've got natural wine. Commonly agreed definition of low intervention or natural wine is one that is fermented spontaneously with native yeast. And that's really the key to it more than anything. All wines have yeast on them, a form of yeast, and they will basically ferment themselves. These wines are largely unmanipulated and contain only a trace amount of added sulfites. Just to, to stop fermentation, basically, is what they want to do. They're neither fine nor filtered. And fine means, you know, filtered and fine is a, a, a closer way of filtering it. So they may contain and probably do contain particulates or appear cloudy and that may be dissolved in the solids and you shake the bottle and you're going to see stuff floating around in it. The steps involved in filtering and finally require additional products like collagen or egg whites which are not accepted for natural wines. That's why they aren't using it. Uh, it's meant to define wines that have gone through a bare minimum in terms of chemicals or winemaker intervention. Okay, it's very unstable as far as shelf life goes, too, because they lack any sulfite, any type of intervention to stop it from going bad faster. Usually they're done in small quantities. You usually don't see natural wines on store shelves simply because they don't have a long shelf life. Natural wines can be certified organic. Yeah, if they adhere to the organic standards. How about biodynamic? Yeah, if they adhere to the biodynamic standards. And both of them, you know, you can call... You know, whatever, you can produce it any way you want. So, organic vineyards, Frey Vineyards out of Redwood, California, 
uh, Marcel Lapierre out of Beaujolais, France. Bow Dynamic, Cooper Mountain Vineyards in Beaverton, Oregon. Or Nicolas Jolet in Lower Valley, France. And Natural, uh, Ocapinti out of Sicily, Italy. And Donkey and Goat Vineyard in Northern California is a natural. And I don't know if I trust the ones coming out of Italy. Uh, that would be, unless you order directly and have them shipped right to your door, I would, I'd be a little leery of trying to find them in a the store. So I wanted to cover that. You know, we've talked about all three of those before. And we've talked about the the difference in them and what they do. And we went into more detail. But I saw that and I wanted to run over it again. They have found, I, I talked, I mentioned something, I want to say two years ago now, and it may even be longer than that, but I talked about University of Texas coming up with a vaccination for Pierce disease. Now, for those of you, let me, <clears throat> excuse me, let me give a review on Pierce disease. Pierce disease is uh, disease carried by the vector, the glassy winged sharpshooter. This is a little small bug about the size of a dime, a little bit smaller than a dime, actually. Flies into the vineyard, starts eating the grapevine, sticks its little mouthpiece into the grapevine, and sucks the juice out of the grapevine. When it does that, it infects the grapevine, if it's a carrier, most of them are. It infects the grapevines with a disease called Exilia fastidiosa, or XF, or Pierce disease. It's a causative bacterial agent of Pierce disease, but Exilia fastidiosa is basically Pierce disease. Now, I mentioned that the University of Texas has found a cure once it gets in your vineyards, there's not much you can do. It'll kill your vineyard. They, I tried to get a hold of whoever was in charge of that department. I couldn't get through to the right one. Nobody seemed to know who to connect me to. When you call a university, oh my gosh, unless you know exactly who you want to talk to, it's almost impossible to get a hold of somebody. I find that every time I try to call a university, by the way. But, California Department of Food and Agriculture, Pierce Disease and Glassman Shark Feeder Board recently approved a $448,000 in research funding over two years at a meeting in Sacramento to conduct a new study to prevent Pierce Disease by peptides. Now, these are grape-derived peptides. And it says that it is proven to be in test vineyards 100% effective. But again, just like I wanted to ask them about vaccinations, how are you going to get this peptides here? Uh, the article goes on to say that it's, it, it explains how the peptides are derived. It's a grape dried peptides that provide Pierce disease immunity. And in field trials, it has worked. Now, what they did in the field trials, is they sprayed 
the binds. Well, let's see. Here's total application separately testing two different peptides and solutions were applied to woody bind tissue, which is like the trunk, using a spray bottle at a rate of 50 milliliter per vine. Each vine received three separate applications on different days over the course of a few days. Tissue samples were taken the day after each application and were analyzed for XF bacteria. Good clearance of XF bacteria was achieved after one application. 100% clearance was achieved after the second application. So this is good. This is a good thing here. It's not going to affect the environment. It's not going to affect anything else around there. It is grapevine peptides. And it's the application, though, may be if they can do it with sprays and get to the woody part of it. And once you detect it, you can spray it, I guess, in the winter when there's no leaves or anything. I don't know. It doesn't go into any more detail. They are looking at doing some more testing. But at the moment, it looks very, very promising. And if it can work on grapevines, they're also looking at doing it for other areas that can get Pierce disease, which includes citrus and almonds and olives and all sorts of other stuff. I'm, Pierce disease is a problem. So uh, with this new uh, peptides, now this is grape derived. I don't know if you can get it from citrus or almond or olive or any other you get the peptides from those or not, or if the grape drive will work on all the others, they're still testing that. But it is very promising, which could, well, could create a whole bunch of benefits for growers and for Pierce disease and stuff. Pierce disease is starting to affect a lot of places, a lot of areas. And so it's a warm weather plant and it's starting to move north a little bit. They found it in Colorado and different places. So, they can find a spray that will stop it, then we can all just hope that it's going to work. And let's see, I had something else here. Oh, yeah, here we go. Marijuana odor. Now, we've heard of smoke taint. And, I, and by the way, I'm going to talk about smoke taint a little bit more next week. I received a uh, access from a lab that tests for smoke taint. They broke down smoke taint and all the aspects of it quite well in this. So I think I'm going to share that with you next week. But uh, that's, you know, a little tease for next week's program. But this article, Can Marijuana Odor Taint Grapes? Can the smoke... Hmm. Now we know smoke taint's a problem. And we know that it affects the grapes, and we know that you can only find out until the, after the wine is being made. But this is something else here. Now, this is a marijuana legalization that's spread across the United States and is starting to affect alcohol industry. Now, as much as you think in certain areas. And a winery in Oregon alleges that it has affected them. Montaza Vineyards has reportedly been allowed to move forward with a lawsuit against a nearby marijuana business, claiming their operations caused at least one customer to fear their grapes would have unwanted notes of cannabis. 
Instead of smoke taint, they're calling it smoking taint. That's cute. If you are a punk lover or even a wine lover, the idea of marijuana-tinged wine sounds intriguing, but don't get too excited. The lawsuit doesn't appear to confirm whether it actually questions it. It just says that they can go forward with it. Uh, They're stating that a repeat customer canceled six-ton order of grapes over concerns that the fruit may be contaminated with the smell of weed. The winery, or the vineyard, rather, says that whether it's valid or invalid, it is a definite concern that they have to look into and check. So U.S. Senior District Judge Anna Brown said that they can go forward with the lawsuit and see where it goes from there. So uh, then they go on to tell a little bit more about, you know, different things about it. But basically, we'll see what happens. If Monzuma Vineyards is able to prove an actual financial loss due to the canceled order, that could be enough to buoy their argument and, you know, get something done uh, so we'll we'll try to keep up on this and try to follow this and let you know what's going on but the vineyards being next to places that actually smoke and use marijuana could what are you going to do put a big fan to blow it away or a wall I don't know there's you know so that's that's what's happening there. So that's, that's our program tonight for what's happening in, in the world of of wine and everything else. I saw something else here though. I'm gonna I didn't read the article. Let me see if I can if this was the page that it was on or not. Uh no, it's not. I can't find it right now. I saw something that said that the new sanctions that the president is putting uh, new import fees could cause French wines to literally double in price. I, I glanced at the article and I went on looking and got distracted and I didn't go back to it. But uh, it's not going to happen. You know, you may hear about it or you may see that, but I guarantee you that People will not let that happen. So, uh, there you go. All right. Oh, wow. Thank you. Bus yeah, people woke up. All right. <laughs> they, were, they don't know if they're supposed to hunker down or if they're just, you know, passing through. You know, all the north again around. I'm not sure. Not really yeah, uh, we'll know more this weekend about it. I'm sure uh, we'll see yeah. what it turns into or does anything. But those poor people in the Bahamas, oh my gosh, what a oh my god, yeah, our thoughts go out to them again, you know. And and you know, I I want to say you know we need to do what we can do to help them, but you know, the, the corrupt government down there, you send money and maybe a penny on the dollar is going to actually find the people. I just I don't know what to do, you know, on something like that. So, yeah. Oh, we got all the, all the relief workers down there now and all the aid that is uh, going there. And, 
now they're facing, you know, something else that could be brewing. It's just, you know, they, something to be talked about. Yeah. So, too much but yeah, there's uh, <clears throat> uh, a lot of a lot of help they need down there, though. You know, you find ways that if you know church groups or something or things like that, give it. If you're going to give money, give it to reputable companies and reputable yeah. people, Red Cross, uh, the Good Samaritan group, things like this. Uh, don't, I, you know, and I don't have any facts behind it, but don't just send it in on a phone number or stuff like that because I'm just afraid it's going to be lost in transit. And if you go through these other organizations, they will be sure it gets there properly. So. Right. All right. Well, um, we're going to go ahead and close the show for uh, this Thursday uh, for uh, September the 12th, and uh, we will be back next week, September the 19th, again with more on uh, Smoke Tank. We'll visit that again, and uh, anyway, we'll find out more about this uh, marijuana deal uh, getting getting into the grapes as well and affecting the wines, but uh, hmm. uh, yeah. another interesting thing. We'll, yeah, and another interesting yeah. thing there. I think that really... Hmm. Yeah, something to have to consider. Um, yeah. We will see you all next week, uh, September 19th. Thank you for tuning in again on uh, Blog Talk Radio or on uh, Facebook. And um, as one of the slides uh, say, if you're uh, interested in becoming a guest or you want to contact the show, you have questions or comments, you can always contact us on uh, Facebook or uh, uh, by email, All about wine 101 at gmail.com. That is all one word. And everything together, all about wine one zero one at gmail dot com. Contact and contact if, uh, Ron, and he'll he'll get back to you. We'll if, talk. If I may interject here too, if you do attend that tasting in New York and yeah, uh, or even Epcot, get in touch. I I'd love to talk to you about it on the program so you can tell us about it. So that'd be awesome. A good show. Um, thank yeah. you again, and uh, be safe. Have a great uh, week, and. Um, I'm just waiting for the for the cheeseburger day. <laughs> Double cheeseburger Sunday. Double cheeseburger. Oh, it's gonna be a good one. There you go. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, thank you all for listening. Be safe. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook. Or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. (laughs) 